Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 395 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and today I have the honor of being with Jenny Nash. You know Jenny Nash from Author Accelerator. I'm sure she's written some amazing books. And we are going to talk about her new one, Blueprint for a Memoir. And it's going to be fantastic. And you know how I love talking about memoirs. So that is coming up. I know that you are going to enjoy it. What has been going on around here? A lot of nanoing, some nano energy has been floating around and I've been grabbing it and using it and it's felt so good just to write terrible, awful, no good, very bad words. They're just not good. (laughs) And when I sit down and I open the document and I lock myself into it and I can't reach my phone and I can't get on the internet and I lower my standards as far as possible, I get words done. When I get words done, a lot of them are just dire. They are dire. I want to throw them all out and I keep my fingers moving. I write myself little notes and then something happens. It is like, I was talking about this in a class the other day. Wellington is the windiest city in the world and you will be walking down a street, like in the downtown area. And the wind is just pouring through the streets, um, being caught by the buildings. There are these fantastic old images of um, people used to have to walk along the streets holding ropes and especially turning corners. And they would have um, cops posted when the winds got high, which was a lot, posted to help little old ladies across streets, like hold on to them so they wouldn't blow down. Um, I have blown over once and I've come very close to it many times. Uh, my mother has great stories about being here in Wellington and getting blown over. And it's not what you want, but it is pretty exciting. Um, and you're going down a street and you can ba- you can literally barely stand up. And it's this terrible feeling because when we are walking, we're mostly balancing on one foot. That's what we're doing the whole time, right? So when something hits your body and pushes you just a tiny bit off balance and you're balancing on one foot because you're getting to the next foot as you're walking, it's very, very disconcerting. And then you turn a corner and, oh, there's no wind here. It's just a normal day because you've gotten out of out of the wind. You are now out of the wind because you turn the corner. And that is what happens when we sit down to write, when we don't want to write, and we write for a while, and it sucks, and it sucks, and oh my God, this is just the worst thing that's ever happened. And then, oh, what about that idea? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, what about this idea? Oh, this is kind of fun. And then you are galloping, to mix the metaphor. Um, you're off and running. And I've just been having a lot of those moments happen, and it's very, very cool. Speaking of NaNoWriMo, there is NaNoWriMo scandal. I am aware of it and I don't know anything about it. And I am just waiting to see how NaNoWriMo handles it. Um, I would encourage you to do your own research because I really don't know anything. I am, yes, I am on the writer's board and that is purely ornamental. They um, bring us out to help fundraise sometimes and that's about it. Uh, I'm not on the board. The board is actual. The board runs 
the nonprofit that NaNoWriMo is. Um, and the only thing I will say is that it was happening in the forums. The forums are huge and have millions of users and they're volunteer moderated. And there's something about a bad person or bad people, I'm not quite sure, um, luring kids from the Young Writers Program to not good places on the internet. And that's all I know. Um, and there is talk that NaNoWriMo staff has not acted fast enough. So it will be interesting to see how quickly they act now that all of this has been brought to their attention and to the board's attention. Um, again, which I am not on. I am on the writer's board, not the real board. I'm on the fake board. Um, so with huge forums come problems and it is incumbent upon NaNoWriMo to protect people. Protecting writers is their number one job. I always believe and keep at the forefront of my mind that keeping my writers safe is more important than helping them write. So, um, and I know people over at NaNo. I believe that they are good and that they're going to do a good job with this. I really hope so. So I'll be keeping my eye out, but um, that doesn't really matter because Nano is its own thing now. I go to the Nano page to upload my day's writing, but some days I just forget. I just don't do it. I haven't been in the forums for years and years and years because they're just a time suck and I don't have that. There's enough social media out there. I didn't need that. I think I got into it in the first year or two that I did Nano, but I haven't been back since. And I just know that they're massive, absolutely massive. And they've been locked. They're shut down. You can't go to the forums now, except um, from the board itself. So we'll see. Uh, but it does not dampen my enthusiasm for giving myself this challenge and for participating in this challenge with the people who are nanoing along with me over in the Slack channel. And if any of you are listening and you're in that nano channel, but you've fallen behind and you feel a little bit sheepish um, and you listen to this podcast, we don't care if you are behind. Um, I'm the weirdo in nano in that I love it and I embrace the 50,000 word goal or whatever goal you choose to make for yourself as a nano rebel. And you know how I feel about goals. They are meant to be moved. And if you need to do that, fantastic. Wow. I just looked at myself in the camera here. And if you do watch on YouTube, the cucumber behind me on the desk is preparing to take over the world. I'm going to swing the camera around so people can see this garden on my desk. There's like eight or nine tomatoes, six tomatillos, and about 30 other vegetables that are small. But the cucumber is not small. I just realized how it's trying to take over the office. It's about to go outside. And that's exciting. Anyway, apparently my brain is um, full of segue today. So we will... Uh, is that the only thing I have to update you about? I think so. Um, just a preparatory notice that if you are interested in doing 90 Days to Done and writing your book in 90 days, or 90-day revision, revising your book in 90 days. Um, that will be opening the first week of December. And if you want to be on the pre-alert, like before I tell my list and before I tell the podcast, um, please go to rachelherron.com slash 90, the number, or rachelherron.com slash revision to sign up for that. It's a Google sheet. Just put your name on it, and I will alert you 24 hours before anybody else. So um, that'll be coming up. 
I think that's all the news that is fit to print. Let's jump into Jenny's bio. Jenny Nash is the founder and CEO of Author Accelerator, a company on a mission to lead the emerging book coaching industry with rigorous training, high standards for certification, and ongoing support for coaches while they launch and build their businesses. Jenny's own clients have landed top agents, six-figure book deals, and spots on the New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller lists. She is the author of 12 books in three genres, including her latest, Blueprint for a Memoir, How to Write a Memoir for the Marketplace. Um, you know that I don't bring a lot of B2B, business to business kind of people on here. Uh, Jenny is somebody that I believe in. She's doing great work out there and her coaches do great work. So I know that you're going to enjoy this interview because basically she knows everything about this. Here we go. Enjoy. Get some of your own writing done. Come tell me about it. You know, I love to see it. Oh, I need some questions. If you're a patron at the $5 level and up, please send me some questions. I don't think I have any waiting in the wings right now. So I can't do a bonus episode till I get some. Oh my gosh, I forgot another cool thing. Oh, I'm going to do a bonus episode this week because I forgot that and I'm going to do it there. Welcome to the behind the scenes chaos of Rachel's brain. Here we go into the interview. Goodbye. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by my book, Fast Draft Your Memoir, Write Your Life Story in 45 Hours, which is, by the way, totally doable when I tell you how. It's the same class I teach in the Continuing Studies program at Stanford each year, and I'll let you in on a secret. Even if you have no interest in writing a memoir yet, the book has everything I've ever learned about the process of writing and of revision and of story structure and of just doing this thing that's so hard and yet all we want to do. Pick it up today. Oh, I am so glad to welcome you back to the show. Will you please share your name and pronouns with us? I am so happy to do so. I'm Jenny Nash and it's she, her. Uh, listeners, this is one of those conversations where we just had to like interrupt ourselves because we would have just filled all of our time that we should be podcasting with like gossiping and talking and catching up. It is so good to see you. Welcome it's to the show. Thank you. You have a brand new book out. What is the title of it, please? It is called Blueprint for a Memoir, How to Write a Memoir for the Marketplace. Oh, can you please, we've, we've talked about this and I was lucky enough to see an advanced copy of your fabulous book. Will you please walk us through why you landed on writing a whole book about memoir? And you know how I feel about memoir. I just love it. I know I do. And uh, you know how I feel about your book on memoir. I love that book so much. Um, so I, I have this blueprint framework that I teach and I teach people how to coach writers. So I run a book coach training program and this blueprint framework is designed to help people at the very start, get an idea out of their head and onto the page. I'm a huge proponent of thinking before you write as much as, as is humanly possible. We don't like it, we resist it, we wanna just do the thing, but the thinking, separating the thinking from the writing to me is where so much power lies. Mm -hmm. And I started with the blueprint for fiction. Then I wrote a blueprint for nonfiction. And it's hilarious because the fiction one is like 90 pages. And I, I had it in my head that I wanted to write. Actually, the book I was modeling it after was, um, it, it's a very similar name to yours, Rachel Aaron's 2010. 10K, 10,000. 10K, yes. 10K. She's my name, Fabulous. Doppelganger, and someday I'm going to like fight her in a parking lot, like with swords. 
Just say, <laughs> yeah. I actually had people come up to me and say, oh, your book changed my life. And I'm like, oh, it wasn't mine. <laughs> Thanks. 2K to 10K oh, is great though. Yeah. And it's such slim. a great It's book. short. You don't need, yeah. it's got all the information dense, just like what you did with Blueprint. Yeah. And it's, and the point of that book, just for those who are wondering is how to write more words in a single setting. It's, it's just a fabulous little you know, golden nugget of a book. And that was what I wanted the blueprint to be. And the first one is that. And then the nonfiction one isn't that. I think it's double the size because now, oh, we got to talk about book proposals and we got to talk about agents and and all the things. And I I left memoir for last. I, I sort of didn't, I actually really didn't want to do it because I think memoir is the most complicated. I think it is the most complicated and everyone thinks it's easy peasy, right? It's my life. I'm just going to write my story. And there are so many decisions. There's so many crossroads. There's so many things. And I knew it was going to be hard and I kind of just didn't want to do it. So I left it to last. And so why I finally did it was my coaches were asking, when are you going to do the memoir? When is the memoir coming? You know, and like, okay, I'll do it. And so there might be brand new listeners who are just thinking about like, what are, what are the differences here? Because a lot of, I know that a lot of people I talked to at first say, well, memoir is just nonfiction, right? It's the same thing. It's not the same thing. Can you clarify fiction versus nonfiction versus memoir, which is, oh yeah. Right. It's hard. You know, it's hard. You've, you teach it, you it's, you've written it. It's, it's hard and it's hard to do well. So fiction is easy because as soon as you're making something up, you're writing fiction. So even if it comes from your own life, I've had clients say things like, well, it happened in London, but I'm going to set it in Paris. So I protect the people and I'm going to change this person's name and make them an architect instead of an engineer. And it's like, okay, you're now writing fiction. So anything that is made up is now you're over that line. So that's kind of easy. And memoir is generally a story from your life. Uh, autobiography is a story of a life, but right. you nobody cares unless you're Taylor Swift or Michelle Obama or, yeah. yes. you know, so memoir is a story from your life and nonfiction is could have a story of your life in it. That's kind of what's confusing. And is it nonfiction or is it memoir? And I think the um, designation in my mind is really about your intentions. So the intention of a nonfiction book is usually to explicitly teach something in some way, shape or form. Some kind of how-to, right? Yeah. How to live better or how to collect cookbooks or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And memoir is more, I would like to share with you a experience, a feeling, a, a thing that that happened to me. But what I am seeing happening in the marketplace, and I'm sure you are as well, is there is this clash of those two genres of nonfiction and memoir really happening where a lot of books, there's this term now called um, memoir plus or sometimes hybrid memoir, which is highly confusing because it has nothing to do with 
hybrid publishing, which or is hybrid authors. We, I, as writers, right. we like overlap <laughs> words so much. Is this kind of the same idea as like, pres- I've also heard it called prescriptive nonfiction. Is that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So can you explain that to us? What is that looking like? Barely. That is, that is just, con- that is because I've, I've, I've honestly like wandered that way of writing sometimes. I'm like, no, don't do, th- I can't, I don't know where to go. I get confused at that point. So I, I get confused too. I mean, it's part of the reason why this whole thing is so confusing. And that's why I use the word, what your intention is. So I read this fantastic book not too long ago called Unreasonable Hospitality by Will Guidara. And Will Guidara is the guy who runs a super fancy Michelin star famous restaurant in New York City called uh, 11 Madison, I think is the name of it. It's on Madison Park. Might be called 11 Madison Park, one of the two. But um, he is this restaurateur and he has perfected this art of the of this incredible service experience and he i thought this book was so beautiful because it's really about how to treat human beings how Mm. to see them how to listen to them how to make space for them he elevates this idea of what a restaurant is supposed to do or be and this concept of hospitality. And what's fascinating about this book is that as some books do, it became a darling in the business world. Like it, it was picked up by that 800 CEO club and the you know bestseller, it, all the business people love this book. The Wall Street Journal is writing about, about it all the time. And the reason is because it's not really about what it's about. It's not really about running a restaurant. It's 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 about this other big idea. And I recently read an interview with Will Guadara where he said, I did not set out to write my story. I, I did not set out to write a memoir. I set out to write this bigger idea, this bigger thing. But the contents of this book is almost 100% his story. So what do you make of that right it's it's his intention it's uh, he set out to teach something he set out to help us understand something about our own lives very explicitly but is it a memoir is it not a memoir who knows (laughs) it it really is about intention have you read um i want to get her on the show uh write a must read by aj oh aj harper wow yeah I re- have you read that one? I, really I like ju- it. just I just got it, and I got it because um, so many people told me that this was a fabulous book, which is which is what everybody wants. You just want yeah. people yeah. to press it into the hands of other readers, and and I um, am human, and I'm like rolling my eyes, like oh, another writing book. I I just wrote a writing book. I don't need somebody else's writing book. You know, who is she anyway? You know, that whole thing. And then I got it. I started reading. I'm like, oh, it's really good. <laughs> really good. Her voice just jumps off the page. But she did this thing that made me really uncomfortable, which I like, is that she says, and she's really writing about nonfiction. She's not yeah. writing about memoir, but she is writing about, at, you know, thinking about your audience and what do you want to do with them and for them, particularly for them. And I almost think sometimes 
and I don't know, now we're going really existential and deep, but like memoir almost sidesteps that sometimes. Like when we are writing our story, yes, we want it to affect somebody else, but when we're writing it the best way possible, we kind of have to go deep into the actual story as if we were writing fiction in the same way of um, building story structure and showing character arc. What do you think about that? I, uh, I think where a lot of memoir writers go wrong is that they don't think about the reader, is that they think about this is my story. Um, they, they think about the reader insofar as um, a lot of people will say, I would like to prevent other people from, from feeling the pain that I felt or, or making the mistakes that I made and therefore I'm going to write my story. And that's the beginning of the end of them thinking about that person or that reader. And then the result is very frequently what I would describe as self-indulgent. It It's just, this was my story. This was my experience. This is my, my, my. And what's weird about memoir is, is the best ones really do center the reader but there's no demonstrable way, demonstrable way they do that. You can't point to something on the page because the reader's yes. not on that's, the page. That's what I mean. So in prescriptive or prescriptive nonfiction, we've got a lot of you. Like in AJ Harper's book, she's talking to you. You're the writer. You, yeah. you do this. You should do this. And this will help you. This will help you. In memoir, we can't do that. But I agree. The best memoir makes me as the reader feel centered even though the yeah. writer never breaks that fourth wall and looks at yeah. us. And you have in the book, part two is get to know your ideal reader. And that's blueprint step seven, eight, and nine. Who is your yeah. ideal reader? What do they want? What other books speak to your ideal reader? And how will you connect with your ideal reader? So can you talk a little bit about connecting with that? Oh ideal my reader? gosh. So this, I've had so many conversations recently that I have come to realize that this question about your ideal reader, people really need to be pushed because it's so easy to just reel it off. Um, no matter what genre you're writing, it's so easy to just say, oh, um, my ideal reader is somebody who loved, you know, the devil wears product. Or my ideal reader is uh, a mom who's struggling with uh, feeding her baby, whatever, whatever the thing is. But I, when I say that people need to be pushed there, people don't choose enough. They don't choose. They don't decide. Mm -hmm. They don't say I, okay, take the mom one. I am, I am speaking to first time moms in their first year. They don't do that. They say, I'm talking to moms of young kids. And it's like, well, is the kid, four or five or six or two months, like there's, there's a very big difference <laughs> in what you're going to say to that person. And with memoir, it's just too easy to take the big idea. So maybe the big idea is I survived breast cancer. I survived a terrible marriage. I'm thinking of your forthcoming. <laughs> no, I, you know, whatever the, <laughs> the thing is, I had this experience. And it, there, the choosing of, okay, but where's your reader meeting this story? Where in that process are they? You know, uh, 
a take a breast cancer survivor. There's, I just found out I had cancer and I want to read everything I can. Then there's, I'm going through this and I just need a comfortable hug or um, I'm over this, but I can't really get over this and I need help getting over this. Those are all very different readers. Yeah. Really different readers and really where you're going to. So you talked about what AJ Harper says is where are you going to meet them? And, and the question that I like to ask writers of memoir is literally where are you going to meet them? Are you going to go to a middle grade classroom? Are you going to go to a college classroom? Are you going to go to a business school? Are you going to go to a um gosh i've had clients write for for women going through divorce and it turns out that women going through divorce aren't going to meet you anywhere they're not going to go out to a place and say i am here because my marriage is imploding like they're not so where literally physically are you going to meet them and understanding that reality i was i was I was speaking to um, Jess Leahy from the Hashtag Am Writing podcast and her uh, second book was called The Addiction Inoculation. It's a nonfiction book about raising children who don't have substance abuse problems. Wow. And she, it very sadly came out during the pandemic and just bad, bad timing all around. But what she began to realize is her first book, The Gift of Failure, is this darling of schools. Schools love to have her come do presentations to parents, to kids. She's very good at it. They didn't, people don't want to come out to a thing to talk about their kids and addiction. So the same thing was not happening. She wow. quickly realized this. She pivoted and she began doing these um, daily Instagram videos about the topics around the book and she got huge followings because that's that's where they are that's where they are they're going to privately watch a thing privately on their phone maybe in their closet at night by themselves and so it's really really thinking who is my reader where am i going to meet them in their journey in real life these are the questions a memoir writer must ask and it what we were just saying is what's hard about that is it's not going to show up anywhere in the story. And I don't want listeners to get scared of doing this because I don't think that you can do it right on the first try. What do you think? Like, I think that they, you should try to get it as right as you can, but as you're then writing the book or people have already written the book, like you can adjust those things to a certain extent. As you're learning, because yeah. our book, our books teach us one, what they want to be. And we may think they want to be one thing and then they turn out to be another. And I, I don't know, <laughs> I feel like that happens more with memoirists than with novelists. Yeah. Like novelists say, I'm writing this and then often they write it. But memoirists say, I'm going to write about my dad. And then they write about their daughter. And that never occurred to them when they were starting. So I think it's true. And I think this idea of, well, in the blueprint, I ask, what's your point? And, and oftentimes you can, it's like a target, you can get on the target, but really knowing what that center, what the point actually is, doesn't come until you do the thing. 
And sometimes people fight me and they're like, well, why should I even get on this bullseye? I should just write and then I'll figure it out. And I, I don't know why I just really believe to it to be true that it's easier to start on the bullseye than it is to not have it at all. And, but you're right. Then it's, I was just talking to somebody yesterday who has a finished manuscript and we were talking for an hour about is her reader really this or is it really this they were so closely related but also different and and what I kept saying to her is really the impact on your manuscript is like a 2% impact it's it's not yeah. like you have to change anything it's almost it goes back to what we were saying in the beginning your intention is what matters mm -hmm. and and going through the one more time going through that manuscript with this intention is going to put those that little calibration on it that often is the difference between well this was good or oh my gosh this blew my mind it's, it's I, putting I, yeah. it on the bullseye and then adjusting the sights you know yeah. to, to to make it make your shot that much cleaner right you know yeah interesting yeah. okay so, so what... have you never have you never written a novel that turned out to be not the thing you thought it was going to be oh no I've definitely done that no I've I've done that frequently <laughs> <laughs> so I take back what I said earlier I think when, I, when I'm looking at students though maybe they do a better job of it than I do like because I just I just wander around I wonder I, I used to wander around in the desert with, you know, with absolutely no idea what I was doing. And now I do set up the bullseye and I get closer. I, I'm always surprised by the book that comes out. Um, but I think, you know, using things like your tools are how we help make that easier. And I've got to confess that like this year, I've been doing this experiment where I've just been writing like 500 words off the top of my head, just extra words, just for fun in the morning and I've been loving it and I've racked up so many words and, but I do look at it and go, Oh, I don't think that's going anywhere. Like, what am I going to do with that? Because I, because I, it was an experiment of non-intention and definitely it's non-intentionally gone anywhere. <laughs> and just this morning I was sitting down to, to build a bullseye to, to well, not for I... that particular work, but for a different work that I really, I can't, I can't let myself wander. I think that what you just described the ability to th th the right words, knowing you're going to throw them out, yeah, is the mark of a true pro. I I really think so. That and when you caring. get to that point, yeah, where yeah. you realize, I may write half this book and ditch it. I may write 500 words a day, and 365 days later, one of them was useful to me. That that kind of practice is, I think, real professional writers come to understand that that the words aren't very precious right I think yes I agree with that completely and also I think that every day I sit down I think there's this stubborn lie that I tell myself that well today I'm going to write some good stuff and it means something to me when I close the document and about five minutes later I don't care if I ever see it again but every day I have to have hope that today is the day I and I'm not even looking for anything. I just, I'm just hoping something walks out of my pages. I don't think people should do as I do though. That is definitely. I think that's cool. I like it. I, I can't do it. I am, I am all about utility. 
<laughs> and that there's there's downsides to always, right? <laughs> there are downsides to all all of the ways that we use. So the mem so memoir writers who come to you, what is like another really big concern that they come to you with? Uh scope, I think. Um Many times people don't realize that the real story is smaller than they think it is smaller in in scope um, or or time frame or oftentimes there's three books crammed into one um, and and I think that comes from kind of what we were just talking about like my words are so precious, my story is so precious and and the idea of what if you allow yourself to believe you're going to write three books, then what would you do with this material? Oh, I like that question. That's, that's, that's a great yeah, question or, to ask. Or even what if you, you could, you know, there are going to be two books here, which would you write first? Those kinds of questions. Many times people, uh, it's all the things piled on to, to this thing. And, um, I think the reason for that is oftentimes people are drawn to memoir because they've had dramatic things happen that, that in their lives that like demonstrably dramatic things that we would all look at and say that that was a big deal or that was dramatic. But every life has many dramatic things in it. Mm -hmm. um, the The case study that always comes into my mind when I'm talking about this is when I was teaching, I taught in the um, UCLA extension writing program, um, which is like your Stanford program. Yeah. You know, it's for adults who are choosing to learn. And yeah. um, I love I remember, those classes. I love extension classes. I know. They, everybody um, wants to be there. Yeah. Yes. That's the, that's the magic. But this woman came into my memoir writing. It was an intensive seminar. And she had been one of the first female rabbis ordained in whatever um, version of Judaism she was in. And she had lost, I think it was 200 pounds. And she was a rape survivor. She had all these stories. Mm. And so she walks into the room and you know, she, ha she has something she's burning to share and to say and to and to um get out but which one is it going to be <laughs> you know is it like which is the story that is the the one that all and the way i described it i, re I remember very clearly describing it to her the story has to have a trunk of the tree it's a tree and there's a trunk it can't have two it can have some pretty dang big branches on it but which, what is the shape going to look like if this is the branch or if this is the branch or if this is the branch? So the idea of structure and shape, but also the question we talked about before, this book is out in the world. Do you want to go on Good Morning America and talk about losing 200 pounds? Is that a thing you would like to do and to, to be? Is that, you know, and, and oftentimes when you put it that way, People are like, oh, no, 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 I do not want to do that. That's but not the story I, I want to talk about. Yeah, Right. I would like to go on and talk about this other thing or, you know, that just that idea of what is the, 
it's hard because you live those things. And in this woman's life, each of those things is incredibly important and meaningful and dramatic and a story in and of itself. But sorting out what was important to me versus what was important to this t- tale I'm telling, mm-hmm. that's what's hard. And sometimes people, so that's what I mean by are there three books? So in that case, it would be let's just assume each one of those is going to be a book and this is going to be a series which which should you do first and would you which order would you do them in and would you actually want to do those three and thinking like that allows the person to to choose so Mm -hmm. much of it is just choosing like oh actually i'm called to do this because of that um so it's that's a thing i see a lot and you're still and you're still telling the truest version of that particular story that you choose. I always think about Mary Carr and how she, you know, has the multiple memoirs. And there was one memoir, and I can't remember which one it is, but it's the one about her mom. Yeah. And uh, that's the mom one. And then there's the <laughs> drinking one. But in all of her books, drinking walks in and off the page and her mom walks on and off the page because she's still a person and the, and and she can mention those things. It's not like you have to choose one of those things and pretend or lie that none of the other stuff happened. It's just not, it's not the focus for this book. There's this beautiful memoir um, that is called Half a Life by Darren Strauss. Do you know that one? I read it, no. Oh, I just, it is, I just think it's a genius little book. And I say little because it's very short, but it's this tragic story of of this man who wrote this, this book when he was 30, six years old talking about something that happened when he was 18 years old so that's what the half Mm -hmm. half a life is and what happened when he was 18 years old was he accidentally killed a a high school classmate right before their graduation he hit hit her with his car she was on a bicycle and um he's talking about living half his life with this knowledge of mm-hmm. what what happened and it's an extraordinary book for so many reasons but one of the things i find extraordinary about it is you get to the end and you're not really even sure what he does for work if he is married if he has children where he lives there's so many things about his life that you don't know and that don't matter right because that's not this story it's- It's not that story. And, but it always strikes me whenever I I often pull that book off the shelf to teach this concept because it always strikes me when I'm just even paging through and looking at it, how, how little we actually know about the rest of his life. And it, and it doesn't, the book is so rich and so resonant and leaves you with so many questions about your own life and fate and, destiny and guilt and all the things that that those are the things he's really writing about and i often think about his choices to do that um well and what you've just said proves that he did what we were talking about earlier is that he centered the reader somehow just by talking about himself Um, yeah joseph brodsky has this slim little book I don't know what it is about slim little books but it's called watermark <laughs> and it is about him going to Venice over the years always in winter 
and it's just oh it's gorgeous it's just gorgeous and um and we don't need to know anything else about him it's just his observation of uh of almost the absence of sun and warmth but finding the beauty in cold and wow he centers the reader and who cares who judge i mean you could read it without knowing who he was um or anything else about him so yeah i mean i'm always so grateful to read writers who have done this i it's such a gift to the reader you know you feel as if oh gosh as if um they've done you this giant favor um i i'm thinking right now of that memoir chanel miller's memoir know my name um wow that was incredible an incredible book and just so powerfully written and and when i finished that was my overwhelming feeling was i am so glad she did this and and allowed us to see what that experience was like and and to know better what it's like uh just such a act of generosity and which is a weird thing to say about a memoir. Most people have that fear like, oh, who am I to do this? Or what will people, you know, what right do I have? What will people say? Do I have enough to say that, you know, that sometimes they have those kinds of questions when really what the reader is left with is, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so glad that you did this and the world is a better place because you did this you know because we got to be next to someone while they shared this and i and i'm of the mind that i i want to read the big things the dramatic things the hard things but i also would be really happy to read a whole book about you learning to carve a spoon like that that could be a memoir that i would sign myself up for and Same. you know so so for the memoirist who at this point is like, oh no, what 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 am I doing? Am I doing it right? What would be your best piece of encouragement slash advice? Am I doing it right? Um, I guess my best piece of advice would be to keep going, to just to do it, to do it. Yeah. D- don't let anything stop you. Don't let us scare you. Don't let the fact that you didn't do the target thing you know do just do do the work that's the difference between people who publish books and those who don't is that people who publish books publish them they they do the work that's it it's it's not that much it's right it's not magic it's it's just do it and and the the doing it is is really in my mind a series of decisions not to let people stop you people being your own self um largely um get out of your own way and just keep going just go 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 keep going do it just don't stop that's my best advice it's the best advice just keep putting one foot in front of the other keep putting words on the page keep spending 15 minutes at the desk yeah yeah. In opposition to yourself, your better self will often say, it's better to cook dinner. It's better to to wash the dishes. It's better to do all of the things. But um, but yeah. to actually we want we we want these stories. I will always want these stories. I will yeah. want yeah. the yeah. real stories. Yeah. And I think hand in hand with that, it's the same piece of advice said a different way is 
think about that future reader who needs what you're writing just one future reader who needs what you're writing and and that what their gratitude will be to you because yeah. i think that can carry you through as well that someone someday will be happy i wrote this and i like to think of that future reader as sometimes i think of it as a as a person out there the one person who needs it but a lot of times i will think of myself at a, at a younger age even if that was just like you know 2 months ago what what did rachel need what what would what would i have needed to hear what can i write to that person yeah you know, and the more specific we are, the That's more so universal it gets. Yeah. 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 Oh, we, need, we need, we need all the help and all the stories. Yeah, yeah we really do. <laughs> okay. Will you please tell us um, where we can find you and also a little bit about Author Accelerator and I'm going to ask you to do three things where we can find you about Author Accelerator and also just basically about Blueprint for a Memoir. Sure. Um, so Blueprint for a Memoir is a 14-step framework for thinking about your book. Before you write, if you're stuck, if you're ready to revise, it is not a craft book. For that, go to Rachel Heron's book on memoir. Because <laughs> it's amazing. Book, I, I feel like mine is chatty, but yours is useful. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. So you, I think that's you the have... difference. <laughs> You have such killer good advice. So, so my book is uh, before the craft is what I would say, and uh, you can find it in all the places that that books are sold. And uh, the the ebook is quite cheap, so so go grab that. Uh, where you can find me would be at jennynash.com, which is J E N N I E, and there is a tab on my website or some blueprint goodies, some worksheets and spreadsheets and downloads and things that are all free. So you can check that out um, on my website. And what Author Accelerator does is we train people to help coaches through all of these phases and steps in fiction, nonfiction, and coming in March 2024 in memoir. Um, we've trained 200 coaches and they are all over the world, which is just the coolest thing. And if somebody is thinking that is what I would like to do, you can check it out. The best place to go would be bookcoaches.com backslash ABC, which is about book coaching. So bookcoaches.com backslash ABC. There's a free series of videos where I talk about what the heck this is who would be good at it, why you might want to do it, why you might not want to do it, um, all of those things. But it's uh, a new thing that has bubbled up with the changes in publishing and the imperative that writers have to nurture our own selves. Have and you ever bring had careers. anybody go, go through the book coaching just so that they get better at writing their own books? Well, it's kind of a dirty little secret in our program is we have a lot of people doing that. Um, it's such a great idea. If you learn, how, I mean, the, best, the, the, the reason my writing got so much better and I could feel it and see it is because I was coaching and teaching yeah. and thinking about story all the time and having to teach myself. Um, yeah. It, to go get that from somebody. <laughs> yeah. It's really true. What, what I often say is that, you know, how yoga studios have teacher training, like 200, mm -hmm. 300 hour teacher training. And not everybody who does that is going to teach yoga. It, 
we have people in our program that are similarly, I want to go through this rigorous training, not because I want to teach other people because, but because I want to learn my own self. And the reason I call it a dirty little secret is because it turns out like, I'm not going to go out there and say this, although here I am out there saying it. Um, there's nowhere you can learn this stuff that you can't, there's no MFAs are not teaching you how to write for the real world, how to write a commercially viable book, how to position a book in the marketplace, how to think about the reader, how to pitch agents, how to get ready to self-publish. They're not teaching those real world things. That is literally why I teach the 90 day courses is to, is because I couldn't find it for myself. Yeah. And, and um, the extension programs that you and I both, both teach in have very um, limited timeframes. The longest time frame is going to be maybe 10 weeks and you can't learn this stuff in 10 weeks. So, I mean, you can learn pieces of it for you can sure. Learn pieces, yes. But the whole yeah. sweep of it, there's nowhere to, to learn it. And so I just know from the feedback that we get that a lot of people are saying, I did X, Y, Z. I mean, PhDs, MFAs, all the things, their teachers, their professors, their writers, their some really, really accomplished writers. And they're saying, I'd never learned this. I, I didn't learn this anywhere. So if, I think it's a great idea if, uh, I mean, we're not a cheap enterprise and also it's kind of intense. Like, <laughs> um, uh, I'm in the process right now of, of um, re, redoing some of our course content to, to do a refresh. And I'm like, there's a lot here. Like this is hard. <laughs> So it's not for the faint of heart. You gotta, you gotta be willing to put the time in. <laughs> and you are sure. the real deal. You're the real deal. Go to Jenny's site. Go get to some of those downloadables because they are un- amazing. What you do. Well, thank you. I do not. I, I don't push anybody. I don't. I don't ever push anybody lightly. I only push people that I really believe in. Thank so, you. So. Well, you, um, you are doing great work out there, and I hope that we helped some people today. Yay. Thank you, Jenny. It's been a delight talking to you. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>